Welcome to the Upskill Podcast, the number one podcast in learning and development in Asia Pacific. I'm Dave Online, your host, and the mission of this podcast is to talk about how technology is changing the way we learn and how we can leverage technology to increase performance by upskilling and reskilling the workforce. So let's get started for another episode here on the Upskill Podcast. But before we dive into this interview with Kent Fallison, I think you should grab a pen and a piece of paper to take notes since Kent and I covered so many topics in a very short period of time. It was really insightful. So this podcast is divided into three sections and really with Kent's enormous amount of business building experience, this podcast is really suitable for anyone who is leading a business, a CEO, uh, if you're in management and you're expanding your business and you want to um, take your business to the next level. So Kent really talks about um, the digital learning transformation and what does it mean? How can we define it? How do we need to look at it? And how do business leaders really need to shift their mindset in order to really succeed in this very competitive, disruptive environment. So I think from a business standpoint, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, there's so many insights in here that I think can bring you a lot of value. On the other side of this podcast, more towards the middle and end of this podcast, Kent really starts to get practical in terms of educational technology, what's available on the market, and how we need to see educational technology. So also from the perspective of learning and development, so if you're a professional in learning and development or human resources, even in management, we need to change our thinking about educational technology. So Kent really offers his best insights into it and how we need to implement uh, the technology. So it's going to be fascinating from many points of view. I hope you enjoy it. So let's get started. Welcome back for another episode here at the Upskill podcast. I'm sitting in front of Kent Fallison who's joining me for this episode. Kent is the CEO of Uqualio. Hello, Kent. Welcome to the Upskill podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Abs- absolutely. It's a pleasure for me. Um, we've had a couple of amazing conversations already, and uh, your background is super, super interesting. You worked as a trade commissioner, as a government-funded consultant in the United States for the Danish government, You worked there for several years and you consulted 500 Danish companies that wanted to set up there and gain access to the domestic market in the United States. And as a result, you were able to help set up 24 Danish subsidiaries there in the United States. At the age of just 29, you were vice president of sales for a company called Bang & Olufsen, a subsidiary. And Before that, you had been active in the IT 
and software development space from just the age of 26. And back in your university days, as you were studying, you worked as a school teacher. So you had been very active in, in education from a very, very young age. And now you're the CEO of a startup called Uqualio. And Uqualio is in the educational technology space. And I'm really excited to jump right in with the first question. You talked about, first of all, um, about people are not an island unto themselves in the context of learning and development. So would you like to start there and tell us all about what you meant by, by that? Yeah, I have to go back to when I was uh, at university. I, I was so lucky to read something about how an approach how to look at uh, things as networks instead of just looking at things as uh, as markets and this um, this this uh, methodology is uh, is called uh, the industrial uh, network approach and it's actually based on on um, on relationships that uh, that that everything that is uh, that has to do with processes is actually related to each other and uh, this methodology says that you know whether you are talking about uh, a network, it will always be a network of uh, of people, uh, a network of uh, companies, departments. Um, it can also be a network of activities and a network of resources. And the network can actually be uh, a network of of uh, actors, uh, resources, and activities. And in this way, you. One can understand that no matter whether you're looking at a department level, or you look at a company level, or you look at a and a cluster of companies, they are all related to each other. They all depend on each other. And I think the problem is when, when, when the tradition for looking at competences has been very much uh, something to do with your own company that you are already having under your full control. But the thing is that uh, you are not an island. Uh, nobody is an island. If you work in a company, you, you have to, you're dependent on other people, what they are doing as well. This is the same way with companies. And instead of just looking at this from a value chain perspective, you can also look mm. at that you have competitors, you have suppliers, you have, mm. you have companies that are selling your products and you are, you are actually depending on these. Mm. Uh, yes. Absolutely, because I found I find that quote very, very interesting. Um, uh, people are not an island unto themselves. And um, I'm based in Vietnam and Vietnam is an extremely collaborative, partnership-based, um, you know, it's, it's um, um, a very collaborative culture. We have Western culture, which is extremely individualistic. We have, you know, Asian culture, and especially in Vietnam, it's extremely collectivistic culture. So people are extremely highly dependent on each other. So that's why I found it very, very interesting. Um, and I think as listeners listening to this podcast and listening to you talking about the industrial network approach, is really really interesting and and you also mentioned about the definition how is the definition of the industrial network approach different because you talk about markets um there's a definition for markets and then um how a business defines the product and the market can you can you elaborate on that a little bit more yeah, it's, 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 it's very hard for some people to, uh, to work with this uh, network approach because basically mm -hmm. there are no limits uh, to the, there's no borders to a network. And, and mm. this that makes it very hard to, you know, uh, say that this is uh, uh, 
these are the variables that you have to work with because it's not geographical uh, uh, borders. It's not necessarily legal. It's about that these people are actually working together. So in that way, you can discuss, mm. you can say that with globalization, it's one global network we're talking about that everybody are actually connected somehow. And uh, But you will often find if you kind of want to work with this in a simple way, you can say there can be a cluster of um, medical companies in a certain area that they're, they're, they're located maybe, you know, close to Montreal, the northern uh, uh, part of, uh, of America, or it can be, uh, you know, it can be a cluster of, uh, like in Denmark, in Odin, so there's a lot of robot yeah, A group, companies. a cluster, yeah. a, a, so, group, so, a group so, of... So they are, they, they might be competing, or they might not, but they have relations and, and they kind of have something right. in common. So if I was supposed to, you know, work with companies within a specific area, I would, I would look for these clusters instead of looking at it from a market perspective. Going deeper into that network approach, we, you, you just briefly mentioned about we, there are actors, uh, resources, and activities. Um, so in, in the frame of learning and development and uh, you know, technology, um, could you go into that in more detail about what is an actor, what are the resources, what are the activities, so then the listener can really follow? Yeah, it's interesting because you can say a network can be actors, it can be resources, it can be activities, and it can be all three together. So what you have, you have an actor who's using resources uh, when they are doing activities, you see. So this is a way to describe all processes in any company uh, with other companies as well. So it's, it's actually a very operational way to do this. When you work with, uh, with companies that are depending on other companies, for example, to sell your products, Mm. Then, then you expect those companies or their employees, actually, of those companies to do, to do certain tasks in a certain way. And this can be, for example, be salespeople, you know, and it can be also be technical staff that needs to do implementation or installation of your products, for example. Mm. And uh, if, you are, if you are following that uh, way of thinking, then you suddenly have some people out there that you are having a, a contractual agreement with, with, with the company they work for, but you have not necessarily, uh, when you work in a more traditional way, a way to influence these to ensure that they have the right competences. Uh, so when they're doing the activities, they are kind of a resource for you, these people. And uh, so in that way, you have to look at it from that perspective. Let's go back into the core of this conversation, um, at least starting off for the listener uh, since we, we are talking about digital transformation, um, uh, in your experience, uh, globally, internationally, uh, what do you think that business leaders, companies really need to know about what's going on in the digital learning transformation um, happening right now? I think that uh, uh, often, you know, a term that has been used is learning. And there's a term that has been used that is training. And mm. uh, you might think, you know, uh, that that makes a big, uh, that doesn't make a big difference, but it actually does because this terminology is training is something. If you go to a, a service manager, if you go to a sales manager, if you go to a, a marketing manager, these mm. are terms that they understand that they use every day. Mm. They don't think about this as learning. They think no. learning something that relates to something. Yes. HR, yeah, something you do. Yeah, so it's right, even the right. terminology. You have it from the sports world, you know, you know, understand what training is about. You have to do stuff to be better. You have to continue to train right. to be better. 
but this is learning. But that's, you know, immediately when you say learning to these people, they think, you know, no, no, go and talk to those people over there at headquarters because that's their concern. And this is kind of a problem because it's actually, uh, it's not about, uh, it's not about, uh, the need is there no matter where you are uh, for, for making people more competent. Interesting. And, and you, you mentioned in one of our conversations before, you talked about decentralization and centralization um, of the landscape, the, the landscape of companies that are now um, building out and expanding in, in, you know, with globalization and you know, uh, the implementation of technology. Could you explain to the listener about what you, meant, what you mean by decentralization and centralization? I think there's a lot of uh, history in this because, you know, if I go to, a, a, I just went to the OEB exhibition and, and uh, this has to do with learning and, and, and all the people that came there were schools and people learning development people and no people from the businesses. So they don't look at this as something that they, that they are actually looking for tools uh, that were they able to provide uh, training or learning. Uh, they might be looking for this, but they, they, they don't know how to find it, you can say. The thing is that in uh, in the companies there has been a lot of um, things going on that has to do with compliance and not really creating competences. So you have to when you onboard mm. someone, you want to make sure you know that they have actually that they know about the code of conduct, for example. That's one thing. Mm. Or how to yes. uh, wh where not to click on on, on on links in your in your on, on your emails and, and stuff like that. Uh, and all this is actually uh, happening because the company wants uh, to achieve something, either to be compliant or just to prove that they've been doing this. Right. But it has nothing to do, this does not make it uh, understandable that there's something you're trying to obtain. For example, reduce costs or increase more sales or make your partners mm. more competent and increase customer loyalty and, uh, and, and, uh, and things like that. So yes. the value that you get out of this, you have to kind of sell and motivate people to understand what they are doing and actually having an impact on, on their life and their businesses and what it means to them. Uh, and, but often the, what happens when you do centralized training is that you have someone that is looking at the task as being that's something that has to be performed. And in all this, you kind of miss the thing about why are you actually doing this? What is the purpose of this? And if you go into a page and you just have to read a page and then you have to go down to the bottom and just confirm that you have actually read this page, then there's nothing to do with learning. And this is what I've right. seen. I've actually seen this in practice. I've seen that, that companies that are, that are training their, their, their sales partners, their resellers, they send out uh, these uh, links into a very old fashioned LMS system. And then they just have mm -hmm. to view a page and read it and then just confirm they've read it. And then the you know that's it. That's, that's not learning, and that's, that's no, it's not. not. And 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 the impact of this is actually that the people are getting annoyed and they hate doing it. So it's nothing to do. They, it's, you create the opposite of motivation. Mm. So, but I think that when we look at the people who actually know something about what the need is, this is where we look at what is the what is, what needs to be decentralized. That's another thing you have to touch on. This is that. We live in a world that is changing and it's changing fast. We're living yes. in a digital world. That means that companies have to be more agile. And a lot of companies, you know, in the old days, they made business plans that went five years into the future. 
nowadays you have to say, you know, you have a vision, what is you're trying to accomplish. But if you, you know, if you are actually put this and into a very practical example, if you have a sailboat and you, you sit in the evening before and, you know, you figure out you have to go from A to B, and then the next day you come out and you figure out now the wind has changed. Then you're not going from A to B, then you're going from A to C and then to B, for example. Yes. So this is how you have to run businesses. So you have to make it much more in sprints, just like when you do when you do software development. You have to look at this in a much more agile yeah. way and not these waterfall methods and, and, and all that. That's T not going to fly. Totally. And I, and I see that here. I mean... Of course, in every country it exists, but I see that in Vietnam, there's a lot of still very traditional companies and I'm sure they, they want to change, um, but it's so difficult for them to change because, um, you know, they've invested so much in the resources and there's just so much overhead. It's very difficult to be competitive. And um, just exactly as you said, um, the market is changing it can be day to day, it can be week to week, it can be, can be month to month. So, so how can we, how can comp what do companies really need to know? Um, what's your message to like business leaders who are, let's say, considering doing something about digital learning transformation? What do you think the first steps for them are to kind of start decentralizing how they approach it? I think, uh, first of all, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what digital mm. uh, transformation is about because each company yeah. they have to look at themselves but it's it's often something to do with that they have to become more competitive and that might be within the distribution or how they handle the after sales market or their the logistics there could be a lot of things uh, that has to do with this i think that uh, you know having these old-fashioned uh, organizational structures that that is uh, mm. that is uh, present in the most companies nowadays yeah it's not going to work it's, it's not, uh, yeah it's not going to work no, no because and you have incentive packages kpis and and you know what for these uh, all these levels of managers but the problem is that you know the head is not connected to the hand and uh, that means you that, mean you mean the director or the ceo is not connected to the people in the field yes and, and actually who, who is it that knows something about the business it's often the specialists that yeah. are working with yes. the customers so if you have a quality problem with with uh, you know installation who knows something about that all the service managers know something about that they actually know what they need to do about this so they need to mm. be able to 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 have tools that can that can change things yeah. for them and these are like learning tools that you can use but also the management people if they need to communicate and this is where video is very very relevant and this is mm. basically one of the reasons mm. why we have created our tool is that mm -hmm. in this way you can very very fast distribute a message out to your employees so they understand because they need to understand the vision not you know uh, uh, how you do things because they know how to do this but you have to yeah. explain to them what is this what it is you're trying to accomplish so i think that is a big big difference and it will put a lot of the the the, the top management you know in a position where they have to see themselves as someone that has to be communicating regularly with their employees not only the middle management but actually directly into the uh, into the organization and I think one of the problems is, and I, I don't really like all these, you know, there's all these um, quotes on LinkedIn, but there's one thing I like is that, you know, it says like this, um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I've seen that many, 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 many times. So there has to be a huge change in culture before you can start implementing 
it's not the tools that will do it, it's the culture you have to work with. And this is where, you know, where, where, why I think sometimes that people forget that if they buy something, a tool or a software tool, that's not going to make the change. It's actually how you define the values and how the organization should work that is important. I think that's a fantastic quote. I've seen it before. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. So it's all about culture first. Yes. Um, and that's, that's really powerful. I think, um, I think we really need to start looking at ourselves, um, company cultures and um, trying to improve for the better. That's it for the first um, part of the podcast. It's really exciting. We're going to talk about in, in the second part, uh, the costs, what are the costs associated if companies don't start developing a digital learning strategy. So we're going to continue on in just a moment. Thank you, Kent. Thank you. Thank you. With so many different learning management systems on the market today, it can be a real pain and a lengthy process to find the right LMS for your business that suits the learning goals of your audience. Well, luckily, you're just one step away from trying out an LMS that might just go above and beyond your expectations in delivering powerful learning experiences for the needs of your learners. Get started today with a seven-day free trial and experience how feature-rich, easy, and scalable our LMS is and whether or not it's the right match to take your people and business to the next level. To start your free seven-day trial, call me on plus 84869897761. That's plus 84869897761. Or connect with me on LinkedIn by searching for Dave Online for more details and resources because I help companies create powerful learning experiences by leveraging SaaS and artificial intelligence. Okay, we're back again. Um, Kent and myself, we're on the second part of the Upskill podcast. And uh, I just wanted to say, Kent, I'm living in Vietnam, as, as I mentioned before. It's a hot country. And um, we have, of course, a lot of air conditioning uh, units here that are sold. Can you talk to us about installation of products and services that companies need to be aware of in the context of you know, learning and training sales organizations after sales and everything? We touched on it already, mm -hmm. um, but what's the revolution happening in terms of those kind of industries? I think it's been on its way for a long time, but unfortunately, you know, a lot of people haven't even, it hasn't been an eye opener yet because all, you know, as we talked about, all the learning part has actually been more for the centralized part. Mm. But if you go to uh, and look at it, what the needs are, or you can say it's uh, in, in the moment of need, uh, some people might be familiar with the term of electronic performance support. That makes sense. It's actually EPSS, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it came up in the 90s or something, and it, it wasn't mm -hmm. really successful. I think one of the reasons why it wasn't successful was at that time, you know, you didn't have the technology to back it up. Mm, right. But with the mobile revolution, and uh, and I think especially that you now have the smartphones where you have a very high quality of the screens that you can actually show something and it works for you. You can show videos and so on. Now it suddenly starts to make sense. 
Um, and this is where I see that, uh, and, and, and again, if you take some of the, the learnings from the learning world, we know that uh, if someone is, uh, is, is going into a classroom and they get training, then we know from the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve that after just a few days, they will immediately forget everything that they actually uh, were taught at, uh, at these yeah. lessons. And then you can say, how can you kind of beat that uh, forgetting curve? There's one thing that one also has to consider is that it often depends on when do you actually start doing what you have been taught or how frequent will you actually use the, the, the knowledge that you received uh, during this training. And this is where, uh, when you take the digital training, is that you don't have to distinguish between uh, the initial training, the initial learning, and then uh, the electronic performance support part, because you have to combine this and say, you know, you make this available all the time, also after. So when you're in the moment of need, if you go to make an installation somewhere, you can just have access to the videos immediately. And when I think the rule is with electronic yeah. performance support is that it has to be like two clicks, then you have to be at what you need. So if you're on your phone, Two clicks. Also, yeah, exactly. But then I also have to, uh, to, wow. to say that we talk about bite-sized learning because mm. I've seen so many videos out there that people, you know, they put in 30 minutes videos or 40 minutes videos. And we follow, uh, we follow the, the, the idea of uh, bite-sized learning and use videos for this so that we say a video should not be more than a minute or maybe a minute and a half. And there should not be, it should actually just be a topic at a time. And then it's better when you kind of provide this, you provide yeah. it with several videos. So the person who needs it, they can easily get the information that they need in the moment of need. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and a lot of, of course, a lot of uh, companies. Um, but, but for you, though, what are the kind of the, the top company, the industries, I mean, um, that really could benefit from, from that kind of uh, system, that kind of way of learning? Yeah, you know, it's not because uh, uh, I actually think that uh, I don't see a company that couldn't use this way of, of thinking. Uh, because you can use this if you have a if you have your own salespeople or you have mm -hmm. uh, you know salespeople that you rely on within your partners. Mm -hmm. You want to ensure that they have a mind share of your product. You want to ensure that they actually understand the value propositions. So that they also understand right. the customers. So the customers, when you when they go into a dialogue with the customers, then they can actually explain something about this. Imagine if you go into a retail store, you want to buy a camera. How mm. often do you actually get, you know, someone that can advise you about the camera? Not often. Yeah, and what do you do instead? Then, then you go and buy it online because you are, there's no reason for you to go into the retail store. No, this exactly. Is, uh, the, yeah. yeah, the retailers have to be competitive if they want to keep, you know, selling uh, in in a more traditional way. There has mm. to be a reason for you to go there. If you go to other kinds of uh, products, it can be industrial machines or, or, or similar, uh, you also have to be able to go into a dialogue. Or if you sell software, for example, that's, that's the same thing. Um, if, and if you have partners that are also doing the installation and, and the implementation and the maintenance, then you definitely want to ensure that they are competent to do this. And if you Absolutely. look at this from a more global perspective, Imagine if you have, let's say, 20 partners, mm -hmm. they have to be trained. How many people do you need to train those people? And what will the impact be if you travel around and just do regular classroom training? Looking at the Ibbinghaus uh, forgetting curve, 
the, 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 it's, it's, its impact is equal zero, but you spend a lot of time and a lot of money, <clears throat> money doing so. So it's, it's extremely inef uh, inefficient. So you in need to, yeah, so this is where you have to look at what, mm. can, what can the digital learning, what can digital learning technologies do for you here? And this is where we say we, we need, you need um, a platform like ours, of course, because this is what we do, where you're able to actually easily get access to this learning, no matter where you are at any time, 24-7. This is why it has to be, of course, cloud-based and it has to be very easily distributed. Mm. So by doing so, you can, with a mouse click, basically, make sure that everybody receives information and notified by the new information that they need to be more competent in their jobs. We have customers where we've seen this, that it's, uh, you know, they save a lot of time, they save a lot of, of money, and uh, it's better for the environment. But the most important thing here is they become much more competitive than their competitors. And uh, this is something they can understand. And this is the point. This is really the point that we're trying to bring uh, here on this podcast and uh, to the wider community in learning in ed tech and learning development on LinkedIn and even the wider community beyond that. That's what we're trying to communicate so much, you know, uh, the inefficiencies, like you said, and um, the increased competitiveness that companies really are, hopefully they, they're wanting um, to adopt. Um, okay. Uh, you mentioned something else in a previous conversation we had um, about the mindset of uh, you know people working in companies managers executives um and how how companies are going to collaborate together better marketing teams sales teams administrative teams um how do you see them working together um as a whole um from a kind of from a ed tech uh, learning tech standpoint um what, what needs to change uh, in, in the current business landscape? I think that uh, tools like uh, Slack and uh, Teams and, mm. and, and similar, they are, they are quite important in this because when you work in a more, pro uh, in a more agile way, you're working much more you know, with uh, tasks that may include people from all different kinds of, uh, all, all, all different kinds of all these, mm -hmm. uh, departments. So you, it's more about the competences, who's actually part of this. So if you are mm. a marketing team or you are a sales team or a technical team, you, you have to work together because they all have the same goal at the end of the day. Uh, I think that uh, those tools are, are very, very valuable. We use them both for our development teams, we, uh, software development teams. We also use mm -hmm. the same teams you know, uh, across different departments in our own company. And this mm -hmm. is something you need to be able to do to share information if you want to be agile and you have to be able to react immediately. And so you have to include the people that actually know something about this. And I think that's, uh, that's another thing that, that people have to think about. But I think that a lot of <clears throat> companies, it would be a, a tough one to, to really start working agile. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and you talked about that, that we we touched on it before also in a previous uh, conversation that the mindset needs to change um, from uh, when, we're, when we're talking about creating 
courses, when we're talking about creating learning, it needs to be created from those that are actually doing the work, who are actually talking to customers yes. and working with the partners. Could, could you talk more about that? Yes, because you can see, if you look at, for example, uh, um, the most systems that are present, and, and I think this is a big challenge if, for some companies like us who actually, we are addressing uh, the marketing, we are addressing sales, we are addressing technical uh, departments. But the, the issue is that, that basically, uh, if you talk about, uh, they, they have to see that learning is something that they can use to obtain, to reach their goals. And uh, if you go today and want to find something, you have to look for tools like LMS tools and authoring mm -hmm. tools. But all those have been made for uh, companies internally. And they're very, very complex. And they're very, very expensive. So we've turned around and said, you know, we want to make something that it's extremely simple for everybody to understand. So you don't have to have a learning background. You don't have to be, uh, you know, very technical or, you know, mm. software. So we've yeah. actually, what, what we were looking at when we were creating our tool, we said, this has to be very similar to YouTube, the way that YouTube works. YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Because we think that, you know, right now, I think, and, and it's around 82% of all the data that is actually on the internet right now is, is video-based. So discussing whether video is the future or not, it doesn't make sense. It's so people are getting used to uh, Netflix, they're getting used to YouTube and so on. So mm. when you make something, you should not make it different from what people are used to do. So, but you can add learning functionalities onto these uh, systems. So we actually created something that is uh, using channels and that can be used like an app, for example, so for a specific group that you want to approach. But we also use playlists in a manner, but we add learning functionality on top of the playlist so that people actually feel uh, they actually learn something from this to ensure that you can reach your goals. And uh, when you want to go to uh, to people that are working in, uh, in marketing, they talk about campaigns. And if you talk about, uh, so they have to kind of understand that you can do campaigns in a tool like ours. So if you want to go and increase awareness about your products, when you're making a new product launch, this is a way to do it. So you're using learning technology and learning understanding to achieve your, 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 your advertisement goals or your, your goals of making people more better to sell your products or people to be better at, at doing um, you know, technical installation. But these tools, this, these tools have to be made for these people. And, uh, and this is where the big challenge is. But this is where the revolution also will be because if these people start understanding that this tools like this is available and what they can achieve by using them, then there will be a real digital transformation uh, for these companies. That's really exciting. And, I, and, I, and that's like the last step, isn't it, really? That's the, the final frontier is that when they understand how to use it and, you know, then everything really changes because that's who it's for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's for and, and, and it's again about, you know, how you use technology. And if you choose to yeah. use technology, you have to, you have to actually look at who is it you are trying to, motivate who is you're trying to make more competent and then you make the tools based on that that is why we started out making actually the learning part to say there's so much boring uh, stuff out there and there's so much complex tools out there and we want to make something that is fun and easy to use and i think that is a very very big difference how you do this 
uh, and for, 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 for which reasons you are creating uh, tools like that. Excellent, excellent, uh, Kent. Really super interesting. I love the part about, you know, learning has to be as easy as, you know, using YouTube uh, because, yeah, humans, we're humans. We, we, we love to adopt and we adopt things more easily when we have this, the mental model to, to know how it works. Um, and that really, that makes a lot of sense to me and I'm sure it makes a lot of sense to the learner. We don't have to overcomplicate things, do we? No, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's great. Just before we take a, another break, um, Back um, a while ago, you also were involved in um, selling uh, enterprise um, ERP systems. Yeah. Um, you talked about it being an organizational discipline uh, when it comes to implementing t technology solutions. Um, could you tell us more about um, what you meant by an organizational discipline, as well as explaining what is meant by it's not about technology. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that uh, sometimes, you know, you, you, you can say that if you look at it, uh, how things have evolved, then you can see that uh, we are basically taking a way of thinking. We're taking a mythology from learning and moving it into other areas where, where it used to be, you know, part of internal uh, learning and, and mm -hmm. courses for your own employees. And, and basically, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be difficult to do it for others. But the thing is, as technology is evolving, as you know, with the mobile phones and uh, and you have a cloud-based and you have the internet and it's getting faster and and all this, then suddenly uh, things are changing. So you can start using technology for other purposes, but still you have to look at. Uh, what is it? What processes is it that you're trying to support? That's another thing. But then the target groups. So if you take, for example, and I remember this uh, from my from my school, is that if you take a product, it's basically uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's actually consists of a technology uh, that you use to uh, satisfy the needs of one or more uh, uh, target groups. So that means you can actually take one technology, replace the technology, and then you can still do. Uh, serve the same needs and you can touch the same uh, target group. You can also replace the target group. And our situation is like this. We say we actually take a way of thinking, a learning mythology, using technology that has evolved and target other uh, target groups in the organization, outside the organization. And this is something that is possible for us to do because of uh, that we can use browsers and we don't have to use, you know, native apps. I don't like native mm. apps because it's like you have to, it's kind of like going one step back. Now you have to mm -hmm. install a product install on your it. phone. I don't get that. I don't really get that. I think it, this is not done for the users. This is done for, you know, that they might be able to sell apps uh, through an app store or whatever. I, I don't know the reasons, but it doesn't make sense because you mm -hmm. cannot move seamlessly from one device to another. You have to install it every time. And you have to ask people to, if they change the device, they have to install yeah. it again. I don't, I don't get that at all. Totally. So we have to look at how are the processes actually working for people and how can you support them. And this means that if you just focus on, on a product, you try to, to put that into an organization just as it is, then, uh, then it won't work. And if you, you have to look at what process is it that you can support, how is that organization working? So it's how does the organization work? And then you have to look at mm. what will you get out of it. So you cannot, if you're just trying to make people work in a different way that they're used to, mm. then it won't, it won't work. You have to look it at work. 
How can you do, how can you support the processes? On the other hand, you also have to look at it. sometimes you have to change the process completely because you've been doing things maybe for no reason anymore. Uh, and this is where you have to analyze, you know, make all the use cases, look at the processes and see what is it we can do. And then you have to change. And then you will hit the culture, cultural, uh, 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 the cultural barriers again. But it's, uh, it, is, it is not about technology. It's about human beings. And we have to remember that. Absolutely. I really like that. It's not about technology. It's about human beings. Um, really some interesting points there. Great points you brought up there. I, I really like the one um, you mentioned about, um, you know, when companies, even nowadays, when they're thinking about buying some technology, they, they really ask, well, how much do you want? Uh, how much are you charging us for, for, you know, to build it, to build the technology? Th those, those, days, those days are gone, right? Uh, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. No, you're not because, you know, we are, we, are, we, we, are, we are actually truly digital company. We've made everything. It's subscription based. You can you, you buy a subscription online, and you can, companies can't believe that. You know, they, 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 I think we really need to get yes, it and, out there more. And, and, yeah, and sometimes <laughs> when we get someone contacting us, they say, you know, what, yeah. will, what will the development cost be, and what will the cost of service be, and what will, and they're asking about the development cost before they even, before we even talk to them, because it's uh, yeah. then we explain to them, no, no, this is out of the box. You just go up there and then you choose your subscription level and then you just get started immediately. And by the way, you can make your first course within 20 minutes and it's out there immediately. So, and, and, and they're looking at us and this is the problem I think is that the people that then approach us, that's actually the IT department. And they have, uh, or it can be, you know, learning and development people or HR people, the people who actually need it they're not the ones who are, you know, it's because all the, 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 the ways this has been promoted today is, is the LMS systems, it's the authoring mm. tools, and, and it's not meant for, for people out there that actually need it uh, mm. right now. I think that's a really interesting point about, you know, we're talking about stakeholders, you know, you know, convincing and persuading stakeholders to buy into this, you know, all this, uh, uh, tech and things, but essentially, when you talk about organizational discipline, you're really uh, talking about, you know, understanding the end user and and totally um, changing the, the mindset um, in the organization. It, okay, exactly. we have a product, and, and the, the organization adapts to the product rather than the other way around. If I, if that's right. Yes, because if you take for some, uh, you know, you might sit at your computer at, at work. Mm. And you, you start doing a course. And then you, 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 you figure out you, you have to leave. And now you just move uh, down to the bus. And you take the bus and you just continue on your, on your laptop or on your, your tablet or on your iPhone or your phone. Uh, your, so, it's, um, so when you talk about technology, cloud-based or, 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 uh, or mobile, it, it's not what matters. It's actually what is possible for people to do and then you can say, what, right. does this, what does this mean to people? It's, mm. it's actually that in some situations, you can have access to the information in the moment mm. of need. So mm. it's not about go. technology. So it's about yeah. the processes and how you can support them. Absolutely right. And that's a great way to end the, the, the second part. Um, yeah, I think the discussion is, is, like you said, it's in completely the wrong focus, isn't it? We're talking yes. about the wrong things and it's, it's just a distraction. We need to be focusing on the moment of need, as you, just as you said. 
Fantastic, uh, Kent. We'll be back for the third and final section uh, another time uh, in just a moment. Um, so we'll be back with the listener in just a moment. See you soon. Are you enjoying this episode? And are you looking for a great place to advertise your business? Why not advertise right here on the Upskill podcast? There are many options to choose from, such as full podcast sponsorships, individual episodes, or a series of episodes for individuals or for companies, as well as in-stream audio ad slots. Depending on your needs, we can make it happen. As you know, podcasts are the new and one of the very best places to build brand awareness as they have highly targeted and niche audiences who are interested in your product and service offerings. By advertising your business on the Upskill podcast helps us to remain a free educational resource for our listeners in learning and development to enjoy and to keep them learning. Visit our website, www.theupskillpodcast.com for more details or email us at daveonline at theupskillpodcast.com. And welcome back everyone to the final section with Kent. I'm here with Kent, CEO of Uqualio. We're having a fantastic discussion so far. We're in the Final part here. I, I, I wish it could go on for much longer, Kent, to be honest. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, as you know, I've mentioned it a couple of times. I'm, I'm based in Vietnam and um, just starting off here in Vietnam, uh, working with some companies in learning and development here. Um, have you been to Vietnam? Uh, what do you know about Vietnam, Kent? I've never been to Vietnam. I've been working with people from Vietnam, uh, you know, software development and and mm. things like that. I've met a lot of people from, from Vietnam here in, uh, in Denmark, and uh, I have a very, very, uh, you know, they, for me, they seem like people that are very warm and very nice and friendly people. And, uh, and uh, I, I think uh, I really like the food from Vietnam. I, I, there's some restaurants here mm-hmm. like that. I would like to go to Vietnam. I've heard so much about it. And, and uh, of course, when I went to, to high school, I, I read about Vietnam, you know, for, from, the, from the war and all that. So, but but uh, I would like to experience it uh, as it is today, really. Absolutely. And I, I'm based in Hanoi and uh, a lot of my contacts on LinkedIn in learning and development are also based in Hanoi. Hanoi, there's a lot of, a lot of tech people, a lot of developers here in Hanoi. Um, and there is quite a startup culture here in recent years. Um, a lot of, um, you know, incubators, uh, there's a lot of potential. And as you know, um, I think it's by 2020 or 2021, I think half of the global GDP will be coming out of uh, Asia. Oh, interesting. Um, so I, I think Vietnam has an extremely bright, bright, bright future indeed. That's why I'm based here anyway. <laughs> so, I'm, so, I'm so, so, I, so I really have to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have no excuse. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure my, my connections would love to meet you. Um, right. So just to end up this podcast, uh, we're going to get practical now. Um, but first, before we get practical, I want to go back in time to your experience as a trade commissioner when you were a consultant for um, the, uh, the Danish a government-backed um, initiative there, working with Danish companies in the U.S. Could you 
um, tell the listener about your experience there and what you learned? I think that uh, there was one thing I learned is that uh, when I was there, I was consulting around four, 500 Danish companies about how to access the US market. And uh, I, was, um, I was part of uh, creating 24 new uh, Danish subsidiaries while I was there. Uh, I was uh, located in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, and I was uh, covering the southeast of the U.S. So a lot of the companies that came to me, uh, since the U.S. is a, is a very, very large uh, country, there is around, around 100 uh, metropolitan areas with more than 1 million uh, people uh, living there. So, so it's, it's not something you just do. So it make, makes a lot of sense to find partners when you try to, mm. to uh, approach right. a market like that. And uh, because you cannot do it yourself. Basically, if you have to do it yourself, you have to build uh, a lot of uh, relationships. And this is where you, when you look at the, the network approaches that you have, this is something that, that makes a lot of sense. You cannot shoot from the outside of a network. You have to be part mm. of the network to be able to Indeed. approach it. So a lot of people think they can just sell into a network by just traveling to the US, you cannot do that. You have to be mm. located there and be part of the network. So if you don't do that yourself, you have to find someone who can do it. What we learned very quickly was that when we were setting up these uh, agreements with, with the resellers and, uh, and partners and system integrators and people who should you know, both sell and install the products is that it's not just enough to make a contract with them. You actually have to ensure that they know something about products because they sell other products and your product so you have to increase right. the mind share so we had to do right. a lot about doing training or motivate them and we could actually see that every time we did that every time we made some campaigns you know like competitions about how well they did and then everything went very well mm. and we stopped doing that <laughs> the opposite happened you know sales so went down and uh, uh, quality went down so that made me think, and it was some of the things that, that kind of is part of our tool today is that we know that gamification makes a lot of sense. And gamification. Mm. Gamification makes a lot of sense because it's not just about winning something, it's actually the contest itself to show that you're actually able to do it. And what do you then get out of it? As I mentioned, you know, if you have someone that you rely on that, that is very important to you, that is outside of your control, you actually do a lot of effort. It's not just enough to make a contract. You have to do something extra. You have to, to make mm. sure that they understand your products. And uh, they, have what they, they have the customers, the customer base that you need, but now you need to train them and make sure that they can act the way you would like, but you also want to increase their mind share. Mm. This is where you need tools like this. You have to have training tools and, uh, and because they are not under your control. So just for the listener, mindshare, maybe that's a new term for some listeners. Um, so mindshare is when you're the, the people that are part of your system that, you know, maybe they are the customer, they have your customer base, mm -hmm. that they understand, that they understand about what you are about, what, what yeah. you're... And this, this counts everywhere, you know, it can, again, if you mention the retail stores, if you're selling a camera or you're mm. selling uh, smartphones, the salespeople will show or, and talk about the products that they know something about. They will never talk about the products they know nothing about. I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? That makes sense, yeah. So if you want to ensure that your products are being promoted, you know, in front of the customers, but also being promoted the right way, then you have to make sure that the salespeople knows they know something about your product. You have to do product training. 
with mm -hmm. the value propositions that they have to use when they explain to the end customer why they should buy the product. So, and then when you succeed selling, then you go to the next part. You have to do after sales service, you have to do implementation, you have to do installation. And this is what these partners are doing as well. You cannot travel around trying to do that yourself. That's too expensive. You have to rely on the partners. So you have to train them to do so the right way. And this is what we could see in the US that, that mm -hmm. you know, it's, 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 and it's not only US, no matter where you go. If you are manufacturing, if you manufacture devices, uh, machines, uh, or if you manufacture products that are a little bit technical or complex, uh, you mm -hmm. definitely need to ensure that the people are competent about this. Without a doubt. And, uh, you know, when we look at uh, who should be creating the e-learning experiences um, or the courses, it's, it's, it's those people in the field. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, now, uh, let's finish up a little bit. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, could you tell the listener what they have to do or where they have to go to, to learn more about uh, Uqualio and how to get practical um, with it? I think they should, uh, they're welcome to, uh, of course, go to LinkedIn and if they can find me, they can also find Uqualio. And uh, the, the term Uqualio actually comes out of uh, you got qualifications. So, uh, but it has to be yo at the end. That's kind of the modern way to do it. But, <laughs> but it's, it's actually, it says something about that. Our focus is that it's a person who is doing the training that has to be competent. So if you've got qualifications, Uqualio. So if they go to LinkedIn or they can go to our website, of course, Uqualio.com. Uh, they can find us there and uh, they can also actually um, do a free trial. And this is what, what the technology shows is that we make free trials available. So you can go create your own courses, play with it for 14 days, and then you can figure out whether you want to use this or not. You don't need any assistance. It's very easy to use. But if you would like to have some discussions or anything like that, you are able to book an online meeting with uh, me or Christian, and, and then we will show you how the product works, uh, more or what you can obtain by using it, to have a brief discussion about that. And this is, again, we are 100% digital. We are working online. We don't, and we are extremely inexpensive. So that means that we cannot afford, you know, to go and have customer meetings uh, anywhere, basically. You can start out for 49 euros a month with a solution for a small company with 40 employees or similar like that so we can we are truly digital ourselves so. thank you so much ken that that's really great and um uh, of course i encourage the listeners to um you know check you out uh, i've i've spoken to christian we had also a podcast um christian is the chief product officer at uqualio um, the transcript of that uh, podcast is on the website, so I encourage all the listeners to go check it out. There will also be a transcript of this uh, interview on the website, so it make it um, easier for people to, to, to catch all the, the content, which is really important for me to educate and to, to get out all this great information that you've been able to share with us. I think we can be really grateful, um, really grateful to you for sharing your insights and experiences. Thank you. And I, I wish you all the success in the future. Oh, thank you. You too. Yeah. So that's it for another episode of the Upskill podcast. I hope it brought you value. If it did, please help me to leave a review 
in Apple Podcasts so then more people can find this podcast and enjoy it and learn from it. Also, feel free to connect with me, Dave, online on LinkedIn. You can also check the website www.theupskillpodcast.com for the transcripts and also the YouTube videos of the interviews. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Upskill podcast, by all means, go to the website and book your slot for an interview with me. I'm looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to seeing you back again for another episode on the Upskill podcast. Bye for now.